Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Traver Bohm, your host, and I want to tell you a little story. Back in 2007, I went and got certified to teach CrossFit, right? So they have this thing called the L1 certification, the level one. There was maybe 200 of us down in Orange County learning how to squat, learning how to teach pull-ups, learning how to teach the snatch. Uh, It was a two-day event. It was a lot of fun. And there was a guy there named Brian McKenzie. And Brian went by the name BMAC, and he was all tatted up and was in charge of this thing called CrossFit Endurance. And if any of you know me, that you know that endurance isn't really my thing. CrossFit Endurance is about running. I do run to try to get better at jujitsu, but I hate every damn second of it. So I wasn't really into that. I wasn't that into it. But I remember seeing Brian. I remember kind of being a little starstruck by Brian because he, you know, he held a lot of status in the CrossFit world. And now fast forward to maybe two months ago, someone sent me this great video on a guy explaining breath work and breath holds and the physiological changes that happen in a breath hold. And more importantly, what comes up for people emotionally in a breath hold. And I reached out to him and said, hey, you sound fascinating. I'd love to have you on my podcast. Oh, your name just happens to be Brian McKenzie. Now, I didn't know till about 10 minutes before I got on this call that that Brian McKenzie was the same Brian McKenzie from a couple of years ago. And so Brian and I dive into his, like his transition out of CrossFit, which I had to do, and his transition into the free diving world, spearfishing world, and the breath hold world. And this is a fascinating conversation. If you, if you look at the title, because Brian talks about when he went from zero to a five minute breath hold, or, you know, maybe like a minute to a five minute breath hold, he had to work through all of his old childhood shit. He had to go back and deal with all of his trauma, which is all the stuff we're working on, isn't it? Here, here in the uncivilized mindset or the uncivilized life. So I know you're going to love this conversation. It's fascinating. It's fast paced. He's a great speaker and you're going to have an amazing time. So dive on in. Now, before we kick off, I have something else that's super exciting I want to share with you guys. We now have another, let's say the first real official sponsor of the podcast, right? So my buddy, uh, Joe Sheehy, sent me a bunch of cured products and they've been great from the beginning. But this is someone who reached out to us and said, we love your podcast and we want you to promote our product and we think we have a great alignment here. And I went, okay. And I took a look at their stuff and I loved it. I loved the CEO's story. It was very similar to mine. So please allow me to introduce you all to Zen Squatch. Zen Squatch, if you're going to see their logo, is basically a meditating Sasquatch. And their mission is to inspire others to be the best version of themselves. Sounds like a lot in alignment with what we do. And they want to support the expression of healthy, mindful lifestyles. These guys basically want you to live your best life. And I appreciate the fact that they're both working on the physical and the mindset piece. So it's very meditative. They use great, they use high quality ingredients. They give to charity. I talked to their, uh, their CEO, Brian, as I said, he and my story are eerily similar. So guys, do me a favor, support these people. They're supporting us. They're supporting this podcast and helping me grow it and helping me get out there. So please go to www.zensq. U-A-T-C-H.com, zensquatch.com. If you like their shirts, buy a shirt. If you like their shirts and want to buy one for somebody else, go buy a shirt for somebody else. Uh, Or find them on Instagram. Let them know that you're grateful that they're supporting the podcast. I'm really, really happy to have them on board and look forward to building an amazing relationship with Zen Squatch. All right, here's the episode. Enjoy Brian McKenzie. Brian McKenzie, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. I appreciate your time and you coming on. Uh, we were just kind of rapping beforehand that I think the first time I met you was around 2007, but it was in a 
a completely different life uh, iteration for the both of us. So it's, it's wow. good to see you again, 14 years later. Yeah, man. Trevor, thanks for having me. Um, that, yeah, I mean, I just got catapulted back to the Orange County Fire Authority. Yeah. And I, I, that was actually the first time I met Kelly Starrett. And that's really? where he and I became like very close friends. Amazing. Yeah, he actually came up to CrossFit Ventura right when I opened and did a, a workshop for, uh, for, for them and, and told me I'd met him beforehand. And I, I was an acupuncturist at the time. And he's like, yeah, oh. br- bring some needles. You can poke people. And this was Brian, this was in like a, you know, the early, it was maybe like mm-hmm. a 250 square foot facility. Yeah. And then I think like a, a year or two later, the supple leopard came out and you're not getting Kelly Sturette to just show up at your, you know, yeah. your 22 person event. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for the people who may not know who you are and what you do in the world, would you mind giving us a, a quick and dirty on, on what you're up to? Yeah. My background is in human performance. Uh, I initially got started in the space through movement and actually endurance, taking a, a very different look at endurance training at the time. It was a skill-based approach to endurance that used intensity and strength and conditioning. Wrote a couple books on that. And prior to that, got catapulted into the kind of stratosphere, I guess, of the CrossFit and and endurance world due to Mm -hmm. CrossFit because Mm -hmm. Greg Glassman saw, uh, I I had reached out to Greg and told him what I was doing. And uh, he responded same day with, you know, Hey, why don't you come up and present at a level one seminar? And, you know, that was why I came to the Orange County Authority was that that was actually, I think the second seminar I had done where he had asked me to come present again and be a part of it and, and teach. Yeah. And then he, you know, after that, he was like, Hey, I need you to develop a certification. Like, and I was like, Oh, okay. Um, and this was like, I mean, I think there were 300, 400, maybe affiliates at the time. Yeah. But it was, we all knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. And so it took off. Um, and I was immersed in that culture. Uh, I'm somebody who does not get complaint like i don't like plateaus i don't like doing the same thing Uh, it's not that i don't i still participate in endurance sports still still think about movement but uh now i'm moved more into i I, people would say the breath space um we're kind of we're we're really responsible for performance breathing Mm -hmm. and what's going on in the performance world um we're like wim hoff's responsible for breathing breathing um i actually got I, I hooked up with Wim Hof very early on before he was really even known by any, he was just some obscure, crazy Dutchman, um, <laughs> you know? Uh, and then, but, but even prior to that, I was doing stuff with breathing because I had gotten a hold of a training mask and it kind of flipped my lid on uh, organization and diaphragm engagement movement, um, all of that. Uh, and so we kind of took a hard right and started looking at breath control uh, and then started looking at the physiology of what it meant to, for breath control. Then we started, you know, we were looking at research, then we started testing things. So under gas exchange and we start, our heads started flipping because we were seeing such a very, just like this huge change in what was happening metabolically. Um, And then I got into the kind of the neurobiology and, and, the, and the brain's contribution, you know, the, the nervous system's contribution to breathing. And so w- w- before we knew it, I think we were so far into the rabbit hole with this that it just, we just kind of became like breathing experts, I guess. And, and like, we're not even real, like we've been like my, my organization, I work with several people, right? Namely a, a guy by the name of Rob Wilson and another gal by the name of Emily Hightower. And we use breathing as one of the tools we have, but we've long set, we've probably said the last five, at least five years, by the time people catch up to the breathing thing, we're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Like it will be on to something else. And, and but breathing will be at the foundation of what we're doing, and so mm-hmm. breath, breathe, breathing became so instrumental and so impactful, and it made sense because you know there's been people who've, who've been screaming this for probably five thousand years or longer, 
um, right. you know, in the yogic space. Um, although you won't find too many real practitioners, and I don't mean to bring down any yogis, but the fact of the matter is, is it is few and far between when you get a yogi who actually understands breath control, serious breath control, like freediving. So we've taken this to the extremes of what we believe the freediving community was, is actually probably the most, they are arguably the most underappreciated thing in human performance. They have been dealing and understand cellular respiration and how breathing works with the mind, the body, et cetera. And you could meditate all you want, but if you're diving down 300 feet into pitch black, I guarantee you learning how to get there is going to enlighten you far quicker than sitting in a steady state and trying to quiet your mind. Um, You know, and there's nothing wrong with meditation. I do it right. But we've taken things in this manner in understanding to really catapult to understand what's what we missed in human performance because nobody was no we didn't know anybody who was really talking about this yeah when we when we when i stumbled into this stuff probably eight years ago now Hmm. um and and just started screwing around with it i i didn't hear much about it in the human form i I didn't hear at all anything about it in the human performance space wow if i can just walk you personally back yep do you feel like you're sort of not, this isn't the right way to say it, but I'll say it this way. Your lot in life is to be five years ahead of the masses since, yes. you know, you were at, in CrossFit before CrossFit yeah. was a thing. Yeah, 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 yes. And um, like, I mean, it's a yes to that question, but not from an egoic standpoint. Sure. It's a yes in, in the fact that I already explained that in the very beginning. Like I don't sit still, I don't sit right. idle. Right. I go and I want to understand something. <laughs> learn how to get there, learn what it's like to get a black belt in that, and then come right back down the mountain and start a white belt, something mm-hmm. else, and add that into the arsenal of stuff that we've learned about and we're teaching, mm-hmm. right? So, so that will inevitably put anybody ahead of the curve because it's never stagnant. Sure, 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 sure. Do you have any, and the reason I'm going to ask this question is because a lot of the people who are listening to the podcast are in transition or are about to be in transition or are afraid of transition. Is there something in your wiring that allows you to go, Hey, I'm not going to rest on the black belt laurel. I'm actually equally excited about sucking at something again as, as part of who I am as a human to drop back down to the white belt level. Is there something in you or is, is it a philosophy? Is it something you can share or is it just how you're wired? Yeah, I mean, you could take this back to white belt, white belt mentality. I mean, I, I think the martial arts are arguably the most, like, probably they could, the martial arts could save humanity. Now, so could a sense of humor, so can comedy, all right? <laughs> um, and, you know, I, uh, I, there's something in me that, like, you know, I, I, I mean, I've gotten upwards of a five-minute breath hold without wow. hyperventilating. Uh, and then I've come back off that mountain and, and then w- now I'm working my way back up that mountain. And I am just as enamored with climbing back up that mountain, like in a different way Yeah. that like, there is no, like, you know, I, I just, I don't have the same goals as a lot of people. Yeah. I, I just don't. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like, look, I, I'm sitting in my buddy's house in LA right now. I'm currently homeless just because I've chosen that. Uh, I've been living with out of my folks' home, like just <laughs> traveling around and like, you know, because I'm like, I don't know where I want to go yet. Yeah. And I know I don't want to be in California. Mm. Nothing against anybody who wants to stay in California or my buddy whose house I'm watching, but sure. I don't care about financial side. Mm. I don't care about what it means to be popular. I don't mm. care. Like, I really don't. Like Mm -hmm. I've cultivated something like it began where there was a problem because I was like, I wanted those things at one point and it was hard for me to get a grasp on what I truly wanted authentically. Mm -hmm. And then what the outside world, my other foot was still in the water with was pushing. Right. And it's not the outside world that's pushing it. It's me. That's not able to take my foot out of that water. Sure. and say, I don't care. Does that mean I don't make money or I can't make money or I'm, I'm yeah. not, you know, like, no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
not not in the slightest. Um, I I I, I do okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I do well, but I am like it's not my drive. My drive is to learn, mm. and learning is present is being present, mm. and that was I think <laughs> one of the most important things about breath work that I had no idea what it was going to do. But I thought about it from a movement standpoint and an organization standpoint when I put on this resistance breathing device, which inevitably we figured out you've got a resistance breathing device on your face if you just shut your mouth. <laughs> and, you know, like, so, so, so the mask became superfluous in, 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 in most regards. But, you know, I was enamored with that performance aspect of things, which ironically, I struggled with separating myself early on in my, like, sports career from performance and yet i was running into every elite level athlete that i mean literally world-class performers that struggle to with identity Mm. because they're so glued to winning Mm. and culturally they're held up on a pedestal only if they win right 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 so i i I, I was just like this just doesn't work this isn't like, this doesn't work for me. This is the pharmaceutical industry. This is medical industry. This is, the, right. this is NBA, NFL. This is right. all of it, man. This is the housing industry. This is like the financial markets. This is all of it. And I was like, nah, I just don't want to participate. <laughs> like I'm going to go you. do my thing. Yeah. You know, I, and, and that's what I've done. Oh, good for uh, you, man. You know, so yeah. that's where I stick. And, you know, breathing was the thing that really changed all that because yeah. I, all of a sudden I was like, oh, <clears throat> like I am now having to sit and look at myself, my thoughts and mm. all of this stuff while I'm engaging in something that's really checking my ego. Like I wasn't great at it. I was terrible at it. Mm. And I mean, that was the basis of a lot of the training I did before. Sure. was an ego check skill-based training to endurance well endurance sure. athletes don't want to do any skill-based training they just want to go out and go for a long run that's right. what i want them to do right i love right? it man. Yeah, yeah i i named this my whole movement uncivilized because i didn't want to participate in the systems that mm-hmm. felt like they kicked you out at 60 with diabetes a couple divorces broke and on a whole bunch of meds and unhappy that you didn't pursue the shit you wanted to pursue yeah so it, it feels like you have an insatiable curiosity yes that's god bless y- yes <laughs> you the people that say like I, i'm not trying to fanboy anybody you're the most interesting people because you take an obscure topic and i think what, what's also really interesting is people who take topic a which has nothing to do with topic b and then mm-hmm. figure out one get obsessed with both and how there is actually a relationship with them yeah. Yeah. I got news for everybody. It's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I got to ask a straight up question. Yeah. How the fuck do you get to a five minute breath hold? Patience. Patience. <laughs> patience. And cause yeah, or what? Yeah. I'm just going to go patience. Yeah, and yeah, it's patience and it's training. Like it's real. Like you, like if you don't spend time working on heavy duty CO2 tolerance building, you will yeah. not get there. There's, and, and by the way, there's no anxiety. There's no depression. There's, you don't, you don't have these things at a five minute breath hold. Mm-hmm. Turns out there's a very, there's a very unique connection to our physiology and the fingerprint of anxiety and mental health. Mm-hmm. And that, please. yeah, uh, the reason we breathe is not because of oxygen. The reason we breathe is because of carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is a metabolic stress messenger. It's been it's been wrongly called a waste product, mm. but you cannot use oxygen without carbon dioxide. And CO two puts off is detected through what are called chemoreceptors in and around the brain, but mainly in the brain stem. So from a subconscious level, our breathing is regulated subconsciously so we're not aware of it most of the time unless i said something and all of a sudden you're like all right that's conscious draw right so from an subconscious level we are triggered to breathe through carbon dioxide so if i asked everybody right now just to stop hold your breath wherever you're at the signal to breathe is being rung by those chemoreceptors sending a signal to the brain saying hey 
there's we're predicting there's going to be a radical pH change, a change in pH to acidity, mm-hmm. which is a death sentence. Mm-hmm. So we 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 are we are tightly a very tightly monitored pH system, right? That is basically what a chemoreceptor is there for. Now there are, are some cells and things that sense oxygen, but they're not really here. What's here for oxygen is you get lightheaded and your body prepares itself for death and you go lights out. So low oxygen is if you've ever, if you watch MMA, if you've ever seen anybody choked out who didn't tap in time, Mm -hmm. you'll see them thrash and then all of a sudden see them slow and they just go out. Mm -hmm. That's because they're cutting off the blood supply to the brain, but it's oxygen. That's the problem. The thrashing beforehand is the CO2. That's the problem, Mm. right? So every animal will go through this in the wild when attacked and caught, um, they'll thrash. It'll be a panic. That panic is literally energy that's being used. And the byproduct of that energy becomes carbon dioxide and it becomes reactive. And and we're signaling for energy to move, 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 get out survival. Right. Mm. So that survival mechanism is also connected up through our limbic system, which is where emotions and everything start to occur. Right. Um, and then we've got the prefrontal cortex, which is where the story and the, ex- the storytelling and executive function happen. We get ourselves enmeshed as human beings in stories and perception. When my story, like, it, let's just say you did something that pissed me off on this interview, right? It, it's entirely my response ability on how I take that. Mm-hmm. I don't need to take it. Like, if you're trying to cut into me and try and, you know, dis- you know, poke holes in my arguments and make it, make it difficult for me. I don't need to react in, in a negative way. Right. Right. Well, it just so happens that when I do do start to get emotional with things, I'm actually suppressing my ability to tolerate carbon dioxide, Mm. which also is creating this stir of sympathetic activity so my sympathetic nervous system starts to turn on a little bit more right and a lot bit more for us when we get really emotional angry sad fear whatever reactive right happy sometimes plays into this as well um and that's where you're talking about people with some some more severely uh like narcissistic tendencies real real deep layered stuff but um what I'm getting at is that when we get emotional about things and especially with the storytelling, we suppress our ability to tolerate carbon dioxide. So we overbreathe more. So if I, if I breathe at a rapid rate, at a rap, more rapid rate than necessary, metabolically, I move myself, I move my needle into more anaerobic activity, or I'm using more carbohydrate and more of my sympathetic nervous system for energy. Okay. Just to backtrack a bit is just, we want to be aerobic most of the time. That's how we're supposed to function. That's how we've evolved is how efficient we are aerobically. And to be clear, we still burn, we utilize, well, we transfer or move carbohydrate for energy aerobically. It's just more efficient than anaerobically. Okay. So anaerobically, you get two ATP for energy. Aerobically, you're getting 30 plus ATP. So right there, you've got a, you're using a checking account versus a savings account, right? Yeah. yeah most of us are functioning in a world that we're just draining our savings account through our energy sources, right? We go to work, we wake up in the morning, we turn on a phone, turn on the news, boom, instant sympathetic activity, right? Then you go get in the car, get in traffic, uh, or you jump into meetings in front of screens, you get into traffic, you go to work out and do some high intensity training. You've literally lived in this, basic high sympathetic load and and we're we're a flexible species so we can get away with a lot if you're doing breath hold work and working towards a five minute breath hold or longer um which you're very capable of you will start to see that none of that stuff and being reactive to it is serving you in any way shape or form you're gonna have to give up being an emotional basket case reacting to everything I'm only telling you what I went through. Okay, because Keep coming, bro. <laughs> I started learning about how reactive, how angry, how fearful, how all this shit got. And I was like, yeah. wow, like, why do I care about all of this stuff? And the mm. stories they're spinning in my head about somebody who did something or some business deal that I have, like, 
I've already said my piece. I've already done my thing. Why am I taking that on? Like, it doesn't mean, like, I don't need to take this on. And this goes, this is multi, this is really layered deep. But the fact is, is if I can actually communicate with human beings and not take on their shit, and but still be empathetic towards them and have compassion. Sure. I I can go as far as I want and I don't have to. Yeah. It's 100% a superpower. Just so happens that breath control is kind of the mechanism for controlling our nervous system. So it's all, it's basically this dial that you really tune up and down. Yeah. And if you want to hold your breath for upwards of three minutes, you're going to have, you're going to become very aware of what reactivity is. And, you know, certain days, like you're like, you get cooked, you will not be holding your breath very long. And you'll be like, wow, I didn't do that much, but like, oh, wow, it was a heavy work day. And I, you know, I, my wife and I, or my spouse and I, or my girlfriend and I, or my boyfriend and I like had this, you know, emo- like we had this disagreement and it was sure. tough, like, oh, but like I could, all of a sudden you'll start connecting the dots, like, oh, emotion carries weight. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. I would never have studied medicine and yet would have said your lung capacity will not deviate very much given cortisol levels or given stress levels, maybe a little bit, you're a little bit tenser, you're a little bit tighter, a little bit, but for, it sounds like there would be a massive swing in your capacity, given what you're going through emotionally, which is a mind fuck. Yeah. I mean, if you get emotional, you're going to set off a cascade of events, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to grab a hold of that nervous system, mm-hmm. the, the, the most potent way we know how to do that is through breathing. Mm-hmm. The other way is through vision, but we don't really, pr- it's really hard to do that. Yeah. Right? Like, re- like go look at a sunset or go look beyond something that's going to sure. drop you. Sure. But I mean, look, the Bohr effect is a, is, is a principle that we figured out many, many, many years ago on the dissociative curve with oxygen and carbon dioxide and the inability, the suppression of that, whether psychologically, so emotions or working CO2 goes up means that curve starts to change. So I have to breathe more, Mm. right? So if I suppress my ability, we're we're in a predictive system. That's all it is, Mm -hmm. right? So the chemoreceptors are set up in the aortic and the carotid arteries. Mm -hmm. That means it's going outward. Nothing's happened. So we're just simply predicting Mm. what's going to happen. And so if I'm somebody who doesn't deal well with anger or certain emotions, which most of us fall into this category, unless we've actually done enough work to understand our childhood trauma, right? Which everybody has, by the way. Yeah, everybody. Every single human being has, by the way. (laughs) that so means you who you, just said not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who just said no, it was yeah. not me. Yeah, yeah. It, I trust me. I got a guy who I mentor who is the happiest son of a bitch that you've ever met. And I'm like, so what were your parents like? He goes, they were so happy and blah blah blah. And I'm like, so do you find it weird that you are happy about everything just like them? Like, what if somebody dies? What if yeah. somebody gets hurt? What if what if an emergency happens? He goes, well, I mean, you know, and I, like we started really looking at this. Yeah. I was like, I don't need this is your explanation, man. And he really started coming to terms. He's like, holy shit. Like I'm literally my, like I'm behaving like my parent. I'm like, yeah, because yeah. you gave up authenticity for attachment. Every 100%. kid does. It's survival. Right. That's what we're doing. Yeah. So then we move into this world of adulthood, not knowing that we don't know who we are because we gave up this authentic expression of ourselves because nobody knew, Hey, dad doesn't deal well with, dad's pretty insecure and doesn't deal well with like questions that challenge him. Yeah. And mom's pretty codependent. So she just creates a barricade around the whole thing and nobody can question anything. And this was my life. Right. And so weird. I'm a reactive guy who tries to fix everybody. Right. Oh shit. Like, you know, there's my fingerprint and it's like, if I don't go back and start doing the work on that, like I'm never going to understand the stories that I'm trying to write for other people. And that's the, or any situation I'm in. And the reality is, it's like, what's in front of me right now. And what's my environment telling me, right? What's my physiology communicating to me? What's my breathing doing? Can I breathe right now? Am I, you know, like I'm talking, so I'm getting in this heightened arousal state, right? There's a physiological consequence for me carrying on a conversation with you. I am moving Mm -hmm. the needle into more sympathetic activity. So when I stop talking, the easiest thing I can do is just 
breathe through my nose. And all of a sudden I start to come down and I start to regulate myself a little bit better. Wow, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. It's, 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 it opened up about 50,000 more of them. Yeah. Uh, Hey folks, hope you're loving this conversation. I know I certainly did. Brian blew my mind a number of times. Want to tell you, take another moment and pitch the great sponsors of this podcast, Zen Squatch. I'm wearing my blue Zen Squatch t-shirt right now. Super comfortable, looks rad. There's like a ripped Sasquatch on the front meditating, which, you know, like, kind of fits really, really well with what we do around here. So please go to www.zensquatch.com and support them or shoot them a message on Instagram and thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Cheers. There's so many carryovers to self-development. There's so many carryovers to meditation. There's so many carryovers to physical training. There's so many carryovers to which my real goal with, especially with working with men is how do we get you to live an authentic life? How do yes. I get you to live unapologetically? How do I get you to not be a fucking asshole and a perpetrator in the world too? Yeah. So yes. hear you talk about childhood trauma in relationship to breath work to me is what I said in the beginning. Let's take these two things that most people think have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. And then what's really interesting is the space in between them. And then what's even more fascinating is, what, is when we meld them together. So this journey must have been a flight down a stairs for you a couple of times, huh? Personally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I hired a trauma. I, I literally hired a trauma specialist to understand trauma. Yeah. Not for me <laughs> to understand trauma. And all of a sudden, I'm like, holy shit, I've got trauma. And she goes, sweetheart. We all do. <laughs> Walk, welcome to the party. You know, and like as a, as a, I, you know, I, I've got a very good friend of mine by the name of Jay Berman, who's done an insane amount of work. She's my Jewish mother muse. She's a very good friend of mine. She, I just call her my Jewish muse, but she, she's been through this process kind of at the same time as I did. And she was, she's involved in this meditation group. And she was like, when she discovered all this shit, mm. she was like, oh my God, I feel seen and heard. And, mm. you know, like this whole, like, just full feminine just blah, just dump comes out of her right and she's like telling me the story and she goes and i tell and i told my you know my mentor i'm like oh my god i can just go and communicate with everybody so that i can feel seen and heard and her Mm. she goes and and she looked at me and goes sweetheart children need to be seen and heard adults don't need to learn to get a little deeper and Mm. she was just like what the fuck and that's the problem (laughs) is it's like we're so we're all looking to like be seen and heard still. And it's like, because we haven't really dealt with the actual trauma. Like, oh, I need you to hear me right now. What I'm saying. No, no, you fucking, no, you don't. Oh, you don't. I don't need to hear your story. Tell me how you feel. This is so what I do. What I really do is I teach people how to develop a practice. And at the base of that, I am basically a stress architect. I take Mm. and develop stressful situations for clientele, whether it become corporate, whether it become personal one-on-one, whether it's an athlete, I create stressful situations after we've gone around and started to understand the principles of this stuff and expose people and then ask them to figure out which work, what, what sort of thing works for them to better understand how a practice gets developed for themselves, mm-hmm. their authentic selves, not my breath, not my breath control, not my training program, yeah. your program. So it sounds like this breath work is simply the vehicle. Oh yeah. It, well, it's just, it's one of, it's a tool. Like, it's, I mean, look, it's a tool. yeah, I run, I run like a three month, a minimum three month uh, long mentorship program where we, we do weekly calls. I don't even introduce breath control until about four weeks in, hmm. even though it's so fundamental, it's, but yeah. people have to learn well before they get there. What, why we're, why we're actually using breath control when we get to that tool. Mm. everybody just wants to use the tool sure everybody hears about the sexy tool <clears throat> yeah the sexy new tech and they want to go hit gangbuster on yeah yeah right my, my thought is like how do i get to a five minute breath hold now i don't give a fuck like this is my there okay cool go. this is my black belt I, this yeah. is 
that's the thing that I've that's sticking out in my mind, even though it probably is just the tip is the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Well, and you should be like, it should interest you if I've been a breath hold, but just understand like if you've not engaged in a breath practice, the starting point is not going to be CO2 tables, which is where, which is just a, a, a fancy name for harder, more advanced breath work. Gotcha. <laughs> what is step one for some, for, so for guys listening to this who are like, okay, wait a minute. First of all, five minute breath hold. Second of all, there's the secondary thing of my childhood trauma and emotion, which I'm absolutely terrified of. What is step one? Step one is learning about how, we, like, it, like really, it's how energy works. Mm, say more about that. And energy is the foundation of this universe, man. Right. Everything in this energy, everything in this universe is based on energy. It's it's we're just transferring energy. There's no more or no less energy than there was from at the beginning of time and the, when this universe ends. Mm. Right. It, it it's. And, and we're just moving, transferring energy in a human vehicle where a deal was done 2.5 billion years ago because single cell organisms figured out how to communicate with each other. And they then joined forces and became multicellular organisms, which said, hey, that algae that just learned how to do photosynthesis and now made this planet hospitable, which is where the greatest explosion of life came, we're going to use this oxygen for to, to move energy. And that process is still being used in us today. So it's a 2.5, almost a 2.5 billion year old prophecy of energy on how to move it. And it's the most, it's arguably the most efficient process we have. Mm. One ounce of human tissue burns 10,000 times more energy than one ounce of the sun. Get out of here. Nope. How that is, is that? not mine. Herman <laughs> Posner, PhD, who just wrote a book called Burn, brought that. So I, I took that from him. But you can more, more than you're more than welcome to go. I would suggest you go read <laughs> that book if you want to understand energy, because mm. he just did an entire book on it. And it's Ponsner broken down Burn. pretty simply. Burn. Okay. Herman Ponsner, okay. PhD. It's fantastic. He did a great job. And his his theory, which is which I believed in prior to and Granted, this is just a belief. It doesn't make it true, but um, was that we evolved due to metabolism. Like, mm -hmm. so if you stick an ape in captivity, right, or, or a monkey in captivity, they don't put on body fat. They can't. Their metabolism didn't evolve like ours did. Ours, we evolved because we could go long periods of time without food because we could just stuff our faces and put on body fat, yeah. which we could then use in winter or in when there's when food wasn't available so his theory my theory is aerobic the aerobic engine and how we actually metabolize things and store things became the crux of how we do things just so happens that, that, that our efficiency aerobic efficiency the way we use that is directly connected to how well we use carbon dioxide and that is tied up in breath control so we start people off with understanding energy from a basic standpoint, principle standpoint. Then we get into the uh, nervous system a bit. And then we jump, start jumping more towards the tools of understanding this stuff. Um, and I drag people through uh, getting a basic understanding of breath control. The easiest way for anybody to start without going and signing up for my mentorship is to go to shiftadapt.com click on what we do and getting started with breath work. And there is literally a test and protocols that are set up that you can actually take this test, which is called a CO2 tolerance test, simply mm -hmm. an exhale test. We stole it from the free diving community uh, because it, it just, it was such a, an interesting way to test something because it used a full inhale to a full exhale. It requires eccentric contraction of the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. um, your psychology mm -hmm. and physiology are both tied up into that because mm -hmm. of CO2's rise. Uh, the panic switch will hit. Um, I've spent an exorbitant amount of time around researchers and scientists who understand this far deeper than I do. But really what we're looking to do is change people's suffocation false alarm system.
Mm. That's what that panic switch is. Mm-hmm. So people who have high anxiety or are pretty reactive have a, have a pretty low CO2 tolerance test. Okay. And we, we've seen that in some stuff that's already, that's been sent into publication where we were just waiting to get back hear back on it um, to get it published. Um, but when you have a low CO2 tolerance score, you are pretty reactive, which mm. is directly connected to state anxiety. Um, so there's a fingerprint for what this looks like physiologically. And yeah, that makes sense. It, man, I've got world-class <clears throat> sprinters, world-class Olympic level who have a really bad CO2 tolerance test. Wow. Yeah, I believe yeah. it. You know, Brian, in my, in my early 20s, like, you know, 20, 20 plus years ago, I remember a guy walking in, I worked, worked at a health food store and this guy walks in and he tells me this story and essentially says, there's no such thing in life as a bad situation. There's only bad breathing and walks out. And, you know, I remember this and I remember very few things from being 22. Uh, but I, re- I remember that. So this is fascinating to me. What do people who come to you other than the five minute, like highlight real goal, what, what are they after? Like, why does someone come to you? Other themselves. Than, like, say more. They want to know who they are and they may not even know that that much but that's what they're going to get because I'm not going to let them be anything other than that. I'm going to challenge them at every, every corner on how how to stop making decisions based on attachment. Ooh. Yeah. Off attachment theory, off like childhood attachment. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. You can't, an attachment to money is a control issue. You don't have, you don't have like you, you can influence your finances, but you don't have control over that shit. Yeah bring on a pandemic. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I think how many people's <laughs> financial lives changed. Right. 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 I think right. there was like, a, a collective reorganization of our relationship with control last year. Right. Right. Sure. And, I, and look now, Oh wow. That's why it makes sense that mental health skyrocketed. Mental health challenges. Got a, yeah, well, yeah. No, I mean, you're talking like anxieties, like we're anxiety is the most diagnosed thing. I think during the pandemic, mm-hmm. So it just went hockey stick, even though it was already on a hockey stick trajectory, it shot, shot up even higher. Mental health became the thing because it turns out you need socialization. You know, we don't have as much control as we think. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what we have control over is our response. Mm. And that's what we, 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 we hyphenate response, hyphenate ability, Mm. responsibility. Yeah, the ability to respond. That is getting con- so. You give me somebody who's who's attached, like that's constantly going toward attachment. Sure. And I will show you a disconnected human being. I connect people to their physiology. I I take pride in showing people how they can reconnect to themselves, understand themselves. And I mean, look, I am not some work of art here. I work at this daily. I react daily, but I set myself up for things like, I mean, we like, look, man, we just ran an experience, a two day experience where we exposed people to like nine different experiments, including taking them out with a herd of Buffalo, which Buffalo are not able to domesticate. Mm -hmm. They can be incredibly wild and they can really mess you up. Um, You know, but we ran a bunch of experiments predicated on a lot of the talk, a lot of the talk that we're having right now, where we got people to understand this attachment authenticity thing Mm -hmm. and then putting them in high stress situations to where all of a sudden they care about how far they're going underwater when I never asked how far they could go. Mm. I simply asked how efficient can you be? What can you control? Right. Mm -hmm. And then I had a guy who actually picked up on the whole thing. I'm like, everybody watch him go, just watch. And this guy, we did these burpees. He got in the water, held his breath. He got three breaths, held his breath, went underwater and just glided, Mm. stroked, glided, stroked, reached the other side. And I said, did you see what he did? And they all were like, wow. Like he just wasn't a spaz mm-hmm. in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no shit. He wasn't wasting energy. Mm-hmm. Why are you wasting energy? Because the panic switch is going off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is the panic switch going off? You think you're going to die? You think you've got, you think you've run out of oxygen just because you've done like five burpees? Mm-hmm. No, there's no way. You're 10 minutes away from death. Mm. <laughs> like if we were just to suffocate you right, right, right. 
it's just not going to happen. But that panic switch is going off. And so we, we do a bunch of different exposure things to this. Right. And so all, I do that through this like mentorship and through, through our website and our membership, we're actually mm-hmm. going to start to layer this stuff in mm-hmm. Yeah, things like, Hey, for the next week, don't drive over the speed limit. See what happens. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm not okay right now. Yeah. I'm not- <laughs> Entire, entire, entire system change. Yeah. I can tell you what happened for me. What would you tell me? Because I my would entire, lose my, my fucking entire mind. Life changed, and I'm in the LA basin, to where I am in some of the worst traffic in the world. Sure, and I am perfectly fine with it. I don't want to be here. Sure, but I know I'm here, and I don't have to be like I was before, where I'm trying to rush through traffic sure. and do everything. I'm perfectly fine with what's going on. So it eliminated your, your rush need or your uh, sense yeah. of urgency. Yeah. yeah, man. Everybody's in a rush to go nowhere. Yeah. Not just in LA. I know. In any I city know. in the, in the country. Yeah. Everybody's in a rush to go nowhere, to accomplish nothing, to right. buy something unnecessarily because they think they've got to live this. Like, look, uh, here's another great book that was just done. It's called The Comfort Crisis. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. All right. I haven't read it yet, but yeah. Yeah, well, something like 84% of the, U- of the, I think, global population lives in cities now. It's either global or national, right? But here, here's, the, here's the ass kicker. Here's the real kicker. Only 12% want to. Get the fuck out of here. So if only 12% of the 84% live in cities want to be there, you got a lot of people doing things they don't want to be doing. Exactly. Yeah. But they think they have to be doing because they think that they need to make the money in order to do the thing in order to be like, and this is like a daily thing I have to work at, to chip away at, to understand, which is why I started, you know, with like what I started with. It's like, this is what I did and I don't care. Like I'm... I'm, I'm beating my own drum because I've finally figured out art. Like <laughs> it's real simple, man. Yeah. Like art is simply, uh, you know, the difference between decent art and great art is detail. Mm-hmm. You know, it could just be the detail of one stroke, mm-hmm. but I want to make, I want to learn how that stroke or whatever mm-hmm. strokes I'm doing come up. And it's like, Oh, there it is. I got it. Like, yeah. this is great. All right. I want to go back down. I want to relearn some, some other stroke. Oh, it's fascinating. I love it. This is again, why I called it uncivilized because that paradigm, which felt like it was just this hamster wheel that no one really wanted to be on, but no one knew why they were on it. Yeah. It was this series of catch 22s, right? Like I need the job to for the house, but I live in the house that's close to the job and I have the car that it's just this circle of circle of circle of, but what do you really want? I don't fucking know. Like that Dude, question will bring people to their knees. I know. So was this, did, did you go through this? Like, I don't, I don't know the right word, Brian, like a de deconstruction of you when you left CrossFit and got into breathwork. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I've seen some of it, like, I, like, I, you know, like I, I got, like, I decided to like clean up my act at like 23, like got sober at the time and thought I was this full on like druggy, I, I, you know, drunk which i was at the time right uh but bought into this idea hook line and sinker Mm. that attached me for you know a good probably 10 years like oh this is who i am Mm -hmm. right i thought that beginning at 23 or 24 was the worst thing that could have ever happened to me when i gave and changed all that right Mm. had to change friends like had to you know figured other stuff and then all of a sudden it was like oh my god like this is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me but the problem was is that i still didn't buy into the whole idea that this is who i was constantly thinking about and and, and nothing against anybody who identifies as an alcoholic or addict sure. like, or, or, or really nothing truly i just found that that program had its limitations for me for sure um i am i'm i'm more on the freedom program yeah freedom from the identification of i don't need anything to identify to at this point in my life freedom is in here and Mm. i don't need any of that now now how i have learned to deal with that is by stripping it all down to nothing i mean i've seen the darkest shit i ever thought i was going to see just in not 
having the ability, like not even wanting the need to use substances or chemicals or anything and just sitting with myself, like not sleeping, meditating for six hours on end because I was just so insomniatic and, mm. you know, being like, because I was so like guilt, shameful of myself and guilting myself for who I once was. Mm. And I, then I just, I was like, Oh, you don't need to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like, so it was all of this stuff. Like, I mean, when I was yeah. in CrossFit, CrossFit Endurance, it was like, I took on this identity of this guy, right? this thing. And I was so, it like, just didn't, it never sat well with me mm. ever. Mm. Like I didn't want that whole thing. Yeah. And popularity was so weird to me in that as well. Like, you know, having to take pictures with people, like not having to, getting to take pictures with people because sure. I needed to go take a leak at the CrossFit Games. And it was like 45 minutes later, I was able to get back to my seat, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, that's just so strange, you know? Right. Right. I just wanted to go be, and I, I wanted to figure out how to be. And mm. that was what I was after. And that was what I found. And so through the work that I've been able to do, inside the performance world i've been able to strip that down all the way down mm. and then climb back up mm. using things like breath work and exercise but things i actually enjoy not mm. that i thought i needed to do mm. right and nothing was based on i had to remove the performance outcomes mm. like all of it those those had to become secondary or tertiary like what had to show up was how did i feel Right. Like, how was I work? You know, how, how was I feeling through that workout or how was I feeling when I woke up in the morning and what did I even have the ability to understand that and let that dictate what I did. Right. Versus the thought or the idea that I have to go do this brutal workout today because right. I'm in training and I'm, I'm an age group athlete or I'm like, a, right, right. you know, like I'm a weekend warrior and I've got to do this workout. Got it. Like, where did that mm. idea come from? Mm. This sounds like an evolutionary shift in consciousness for you. Yeah. Like a, a letting go of the attachment to the identity and the things that feed the identity and the things that the identity feeds. So I'm just going to project on you that this is all about authenticity. Yes. Yet you've had to go through the egoic layers, like all the layers of quote, what well, this is my authentic truth, but that's just wounding. That's just your fucking ego. That's you wanting to be popular on Instagram. Yeah, it's not yeah. your, it's not authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. The world doesn't need, I didn't need to talk about my parents. Right. Right. <laughs> the only reason I brought that up. Sure. Is Cause there, I know that there's probably a couple of guys or gals that are sitting on here thinking it's not them <laughs> and, and they can go and identify with a father who was pretty angry and didn't react real well to things sure. and a mom who was entire who was super codependent right sure sure just so we're clear that built trauma sure. like you know yeah. even though my parents are incredible human beings of course oh, i don't blame them for a damn thing yeah they're the best damn job they could, <laughs> right i'm the one that attached to that and learned to use that as my vehicle so yeah. it was up to me to separate myself from that so that i'm not <clears throat> fixing every relationship i get into business or personal right, right? you know or dancing like a puppet right for people that right like don't aren't meeting me anywhere right. like i'm having to go to them every time like, ah, that's all right i'm good yeah. it's obvious yeah. we're, we're not connecting perfect yeah. no problem i don't need to hold that against you either you're not yeah. a piece of shit have like, a great life yeah yeah, have a great life. You're, you probably are an amazing human being. We just yeah. didn't connect. Yeah. Brian, I don't want this to sound like the Tim Ferriss, tell us your morning routine question, mm -hmm. but can you just tell me a little bit about what you do with yourself every day with regards to breath work, with regards to exercise, with regards to a creative process even? Yeah. Um, you know, I usually wake up and I'm pretty, well, I, I get up and I'm usually drinking water first like i'm hydrating first and then based on how i feel i get into some sort of breath routine no kidding um, okay yeah, uh -huh. yeah yep and then based off of how that that routine goes i then know how i feel and what i want to what then i feel like what i want to get after do i want to do some strength training do i want to do more endurance work do i not want to do anything mm. um do i want to go for a swim 
what, whatever. Like, do I want to surf? Like, is the, are the waves up? Because the waves are up, everything else goes on hold, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> I got two surfboards in this office in Colorado. I'm with you. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. <laughs> so that's. Just go, throw, just go throw a rope around a tree at a river and just go out yeah. in the river. <laughs> Sometimes I just touch them and like, I still yeah. love you. I'm still here. Yeah. So the breath work is the informative piece on the rest of your physical day tells me everything i need to know instantaneously and, and, and is that numerical and empirical or is that felt sense uh it's it, it both it can be both i yeah. mean it's totally objective if i can't hit like breath holds or breath rhythms that i'm used to hitting i know that i'm cooked even if i feel mm -hmm. good but then that tells me informs me oh i still want to train i'm just not going to hit it as hard as i wanted to and i base you know look we developed what's called a gear system for breathing in training and I'll hit, I have limiters. Like there's only certain days I'm hitting a gear five, which is mm -hmm. mouth breathing. But then mm -hmm. there's, you know, most days are like a gear, like a gear two ish. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's like the highest level I hit probably three or four days a week. But mm -hmm. you know, that, that began where I was barely doing anything at that, at that level. Right. Mm -hmm. But now that's where I, I, I mean, I can do, I can maintain, a fairly equal nose in nose out uh like on a bike right around 90 percent of max heart rate no kidding wow yeah it just takes time to develop everybody's yeah. in such a rush because their ego is telling them they want to get to where this guy who just has spent you know last seven or eight years doing this <laughs> you know like no man that's not how it works like I took the I'm, not, I'm not winning any medals either like <laughs> right. I'm, I'm literally enjoying what i'm doing yeah that's what I'm doing. I'm in present with what I'm doing and enjoying what I'm doing. I mm. don't care about the points and I'm not responsible to a sponsor for, right. you know, yeah. staying this version of who I think I need to be. Yeah. I love it, brother. I love it. Especially, you know, following you even from a distance. Uh, I, I know the CrossFit world and I have nothing but respect for it. I loved mm -hmm. my time in it. I'm so grateful for it. It also kicks a lot of people out in a, in less than ideal shape or less right. than ideal headspace, right? Like it's the, well, now what do I do? Because this thing fed my ego so deeply that now I'm not really sure what to do with myself. It's like professional sports for the amateur human, like that transition out of it is often challenging. So just to hear you in this place and see you in this place is, is fantastic oh. and really inspiring. So good for you for, for being willing to look in the darkness and yeah. look at, look at your you, demons and, and handle that. I really, really commend you. Oh, thanks, uh, I could talk to you for the next six hours, but want to respect your time. <laughs> Where can, because I, I trust me, you've started a little bit of a firestorm, I'm sure in my community of like, well, I want to hold my fucking breath for five minutes. So where can people find you? Where can people find out more about you? Where are you hanging out these days? Shiftadapt.com is where all things business related are at. Shiftadapt. Yeah, Shiftadapt. Our okay. business name is Shift. Okay. Um, we moved that from CrossFit endurance to power speed endurance to sh it became shift a little like close to two years ago. Um, gotcha. So that's where all things where the free breath test is. Anything breath work related is at. Uh, if people are interested in following me, I'm I'm only on Instagram, okay. uh, which is uh, at underscore Brian McKenzie. Okay. Um, and I'll and have links to all this. Yeah. So, um, and you know, they can get started with a breath practice. They can ask for more. They can come to one of our experiences, which are two day immersives into this stuff, which are, you know, we're, I think we've got, we're going to be doing one in October again in Texas, um, which are really, I mean, it, it was funny because the first one we did, we didn't really give a lot of detail of what we were doing but it was, <laughs> we, and we wanted it really intimate. So we kept yeah. it like under 12 people and most of the people that came have absolutely no idea what they were getting into. Yeah. And most of and everybody was just like, Whoa, yeah. like this was profound. <clears throat> like, and I mean, we didn't do easy shit. There was nothing yeah. easy about it. And we talked about all the stuff we've talked about. So, you know, anyway, we've got those things popping up. We've got the mentorship stuff. We've got an online version of that, which is much more affordable for a lot of people. Um, and then they've got the one with my time, which costs obviously a little bit more. So beautiful. Thank you, brother. I mean it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you're you welcome. for what you're bringing into the world. Uh, breathing. It's like, it feels like the collective consciousness shift is returning back to basics. 
Mm-hmm. And it's people like you who are pioneering the return back to basics, even as interesting as that that sounds to say. But it's it's really really important. So I appreciate you coming on, brother. Uh, I, I, I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, Cheers, I appreciate man. what you're doing too. Thanks. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share, give us a five star rating on iTunes, and if you're interested in getting a hold of my book. Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.